All right, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast where I talk about many different topics, guy stuff, men's wellness, things that are going on with my kids and my family. So I hope one of those things interests you. And if it does, then awesome. And if it doesn't, then uh, just give it a chance. Maybe it'll grow on you. So anyways, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening today. Got my coffee this morning, recording actually kind of early, so I got my coffee, and I got my computer, and uh, I got a couple things to talk about. So first off, did you know that tungsten can break? Even though tungsten, they say, is what, as strong as steel or titanium, I still managed to put a giant crack and chip in my tungsten carbide wedding ring. So that's... Not a good thing to have to tell your wife. I even lost a little diamond that was in the center of it. I've got one little diamond, and yeah, damn it, it's uh, it's gone. So that's kind of embarrassing. So I've been married almost 11 years, and I've done mechanic work about seven, eight of those years, maybe more, and I've never damaged this ring. I used to take it off and hang it up in my toolbox, But I even stopped doing that because I would lose it all the time. And then I would be in this big, huge shop and I couldn't find my wedding ring. And it was this big panic trying to locate it. So I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to wear it. I'm going to risk getting caught on something or skinning my finger. Now, fast forward, my finger has never been in harm's way. My skin didn't come peeling off like an overripe banana. So sweet. I've never had a problem. But now somehow being a stay-at-home dad... I've managed to put this giant chip in it and lose the freaking diamond in the center. So what the hell? I don't know. I just read, though, that if dropped hard enough, a tungsten carbide ring can crack or shatter. But I never take this thing off. So I don't know. Maybe I set my hand down too hard or I don't know. Maybe we'll see if uh, Triton will warranty an 11-year-old ring. Maybe. Triton, are you listening? So hopefully I can figure this out. All right, moving on. So... I was watching the morning news the other day, like I typically do on a weekday, and my favorite topic popped up. Well, maybe not my favorite topic, but it's one that I talk about here a lot, and that's phone and social media addiction with adults and even with kids. And I know you're probably tired of hearing me beat the hell out of this dead horse, but seriously, we have a problem. There's a problem in today's society with technology and cell phone use and social media use. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to stop it. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop personally, but there's an issue. Well, the U.S. Surgeon General, what's his name, Vivek Murthy, I think that's right, he said in a CNN interview that he believes 13 is even too young to be on social media platforms for kids. He says because kids are still developing their identity at that time, And it's a time where it's really important for us to be thoughtful about what's going into how they think about their own self-worth and their own relationships. It's kind of a big deal. He also said that social media has a very skewed and distorted environment that often does a disservice to many kids. Well, we all know that it does a disservice to many adults. So can you imagine this underdeveloped brain that's still trying to find out who they are and their identity and all that being impressioned by social media or that perfect image of other people. It's kind of 
makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's difficult to keep kids off social media. Hell, it's difficult, like I said, to keep ourselves off social media. It's a problem with us. Checking and checking and doom scrolling, like I've said a hundred thousand times before, it affects people's jobs. It affects people's relationships. I mean, do you want to go to dinner with your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or wife and not hold a conversation because the other person is just staring at their phone or uploading pictures of their food or something like that? And I mentioned work. It affects people's work as well. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people at their jobs or at the grocery store, whatever they're doing, and they're not working. They're stopping and they're looking at their phone and they're totally checked out of their whole environment and they're not doing their job. Now, move that into the kid realm and school and everything else, you can see how this is a problem. And social media is not real life. And I think young kids looking at it start to get convoluted and they think it is real life when it's not. It's, it's fake. It only shows us these perfect things that we think other people are always doing or these perfect moments in time. And it just takes time away from real relationships and the real world. It takes time away from your kids and your family. I know I'm preaching. Bang, 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 dead horse, right? But seriously, parenting can be kind of hard. Pre-teens and teens begging for their phones and all this other stuff. Like, ugh, I'm not even at that point yet in my parenting saga. But I know it's coming eventually. My oldest daughter, she's eight. We got her one of those kid watches. It's a gizmo watch. So she can text and call us when she's at a friend's house or playing outside and we need to kind of know where she's at. But that's the only type of phone or communication device she has. And just like my friend TJ said the other week, his 12-year-old daughter won't be getting a phone anytime soon. So that is, uh, so that is one surefire way to prevent them from having social media, I guess. Unless they went behind your back, and then maybe there would be, uh, you know, lying and all this other stuff. So I don't know. Maybe there would be a happy medium where you could give your kid, talking a teen here, social media privileges, but maybe parents have access to it or some sort of monitoring in there. I'll have to talk to my friends that have older kids and kind of maybe they can help me navigate some of this. But I don't know. There may be some ways. Anyways, a recent study in JAMA Pediatrics says students who check social media regularly can actually alter their brain chemistry. Kids that did it displayed a greater neural sensitivity in certain parts of the brain, making their brain more sensitive to social consequences over time. I'm not really sure what that means, but that's what they said. Psychiatrist Adriana Stacy says it's a constant dopamine dump on the brain when you're looking at social media and looking at devices, I guess. And when we do things that are addictive, like drugs, or in this case, social media, our brain releases a lot of dopamine at once. And then it tells our brains to keep using that. And it almost gets used to it. And then it wants that all the time. So that's what creates that vicious cycle of the doom scroll and always checking your phone. And you always need that, that little hit, you know, to see what other people are doing. I mean, just imagine, maybe you can relate, but seeing social media posts and reels, they're all perfect and amazing, and you wish you were doing that. Like I said, it's this perfect snapshot in time. What can that do to your own self-esteem, your own motivation? It can make you feel like shit, right? Or that you're not doing enough in your own life, or 
that you're a failure. Now add that same recipe to a teenager. Scrolling is kind of like eating starbursts, I think. The first one tastes great. It tastes amazing. But then it's gone in two seconds. So then you eat another one. And it tastes great. And then it's gone in two seconds. And then you want another one. And you can never just savor and enjoy one. You mow through like 15 of them. And then you sit back and you ask yourself, what in the fuck am I doing? You're just munching on Starburst and you know it's not good for you. And you just can't stop, right? Does that make sense? That's how social media works in my book. Get your kids outside. Get yourself outside. Play sports. Go pretend. Get a hobby. Um, buy an old car. That's a good one. Go, you know, do something in your garage. Put your phone down. That's all I'm saying. It really is amazing, though, how in contact we are with each other, but at the same time, not in contact with each other. I was just thinking of texting a buddy of mine, and I had mentioned it to my wife earlier, and then we started talking about how easily we can just contact one another. We can just shoot the message, pick up the phone. It was quite the realization to me that I didn't have growing up. My wife didn't have that growing up when we were kids. Oh, you want to call your buddy? You either get on the corded house phone or you wait and tell that person whatever question or thought you had the next time you see them, maybe the next day at school or the next day at work or whatever, which would probably be more likely for me anyways, instead of picking up the phone. Oh, I'll just wait and ask Kyle when I see him tomorrow. There was none of this instant gratification, this instant dopamine hit, even of messaging your friend and sending a sending a message or sending a Snapchat or whatever of just getting a hold of somebody immediately. It's just kind of crazy when you think about it that we are so in touch, we're so connected with each other. And I think that can feed into this whole thing that I've been talking about here too. There's no more patience, there's no more delayed gratification. We just talk to each other in emojis and immediately. So, I don't know. I'll link that article where the Surgeon General talks from CNN. I'll link it so you can check it out. But anyways, let's move on. So I have a bunch of workers in my house. This is the main thing I wanted to talk about today. All that other stuff was just kind of uh, little afterthoughts, forethoughts, whatever. But I've got a lot of workers in my house. They're around my house. They're in my house. They're working all over the place for the past few weeks. And they will be here in the weeks to come, too. We're getting some things done. We've been on a bit of a spending spree around here. New year, some upgrades to our home, finishing things that we have been putting off for a while. We did this to our last house too, so this isn't something new. We put a bunch of money into it, make it nice, make it more enjoyable for us. So, so that's what we're doing to this house. We're finishing a room in the basement. We're doing some stuff in the garage. We're doing some stuff outside. I'll talk about kind of everything in another show. Maybe I'll talk about home upgrades later, but anyways, during this whole process of having all these contractors here, I've kind of realized something is I'm not very confident. I'm a bit passive when it comes to conveying what I want, conveying what I like and don't like from these contractors or telling them exactly, hey, I like that. No, I don't like that. Hey, you need to finish this, blah, blah, blah. I have a problem with that, I think. I feel like I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, so I come off a little passive, not very confident. At least that's how I feel. No one's ever told me, hey man, you're weak, or you're a passive guy. Like, no one's ever said that. That's just how I 
see myself when I analyze these situations. So today, I want to talk about how to be more assertive and 10 tips to do that to help me find my voice and upgrade my communication skills, let's say. These tips and info are from an article on masterclass.com. Articles called the same thing, 10 tips to be more assertive. So I'll link that in the description like I always do so you can check it out and so no one freaks out that I'm stealing their content. So anyways, what is assertiveness? What does it mean? I've heard it. I've never really put a lot of thought into it or thought about how to apply it to myself. Maybe I'm kind of a moron in that aspect and everyone around me knows what assertive is or they are assertive and they know how to use it, whatever, but I've never really thought about it. Well, it's just the ability to confidently communicate what you want or need while at the same time respecting the needs of others. Pretty simple, right? It's a direct, but at the same time, non-confrontational way of talking to someone. It's that middle ground, they say, between aggressive and passive. Assertiveness is a learned skill in communication. It takes practice to get good at, but it builds that self-confidence and that self-worth. So something for me to really hone in on. The more comfortable we are with talking to people and being honest with them, in my case, a bunch of contractors, or maybe someone else's case, your boss or a coworker or a spouse, the more confidence and self-worth will grow within you. So when we lack assertiveness, it's difficult to stand up for ourselves and assert what we want, need, or feel. We don't want to just be a yes man and some kind of puppet that just does whatever people ask or does what people tell you to do all the time. You have an opinion. You have a voice. You can uh, say no, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. They also say it's a great leadership trait. Well, there's no surprise there because if you want to be a great leader or if you want to manage people, you have to be upfront. You have to be direct. And being assertive gives you the ability to say what you need to say and lets others know where you stand on issues. That's kind of an important thing. Assertive people are also less stressed, which we could all use less stress in our lives. But when you're assertive, that feeling of being bowled over and not being heard kind of goes away or is lessened. And dealing with things head on, in a way even getting what you want and speaking your mind and, and your opinions and being passionate about what you have to say will prevent things from stewing inside of you and bothering you later and creating this big ball of stress, right? And that's not good. All right, so 10 ways we can be more assertive, or in my case, assertive at all. Now, I just had to stop recording for a minute because I have contractors here, like I talked about, and they're pounding and nailing in my backyard. So hopefully that doesn't come through on the mic, but if it does, I'm sorry, okay? I don't know what to do about it. I can't do anything. I can't. I can't be assertive and go tell them to stop right now because I'm paying them to be here. So we'll just have to grit our teeth and bear with it. So, all right, 10 things to become more assertive. And I'm just going to go through some of these. I'm not going to hit them all because it would get too lengthy and long. So first one is believe in yourself. Sounds pretty blanket statement, pretty simple, right? But in my case, I'm not very confident. Maybe a little harder for me to just stand up and believe in myself, right? 
According to Masterclass, the ones that put on this article, they say low self-esteem can prevent you from telling others what you really want. And when you begin to really value yourself and your growth, you will have an easier time communicating your needs. Not only respecting other people's opinions, but we have to also respect our own opinions and self as well. Like I said, I struggle with this. To give you an example, we have deck people expanding our deck right now. That's the people that you hear pounding and stomping around in my backyard. Well, they came here yesterday or the other day to start tearing off some stuff in my old deck. But I wanted to ask them if I could take a few pieces of wood that they were taking off. They were just going to throw in a trailer and take it to the dump and throw it away. And I was like, well, I can use some of that stuff. But I felt this internal struggle that I was going out there and asking permission or that I was bothering them in some way when in reality, that's my deck. That's my stupid wood that I want to save. That's my money being spent on you being here and doing that job. So why should I have a hard time conveying that to them? It's kind of weird, right? But I do. It's like this internal struggle with me. So got to be more confident, got to project ourselves a little bit more. All right, second is learn how to say no. And I think I've talked about learning how to say no in a long, long ago episode, but it says we're often reluctant to say no to others because we want to please people in basic terms, or we don't think that they'll be okay when we say no, that we don't want to offend them or let them down in a way. I hope I'm not the only one, but I have a hard time with this one as well. We get into these situations where people ask us favors or ask us to do extra work. And it's like we don't want to upset them or we think that they will look at us differently if we say no and we don't do it. So what do we do? We say, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Or yeah, I'll help you. Or yeah, I'll take that on. Maybe I am a people pleaser. It's kind of a revelation I'm gleaming here, but maybe I am. Maybe I'd just like to make people happy. And I do like it when people like me. Need your shit fixed? Call me. Sure, I'll come and try to figure it out. I almost do 99% of the time. Your car won't start? Your battery's dead? Yeah, okay, I'll come over with my stuff and I'll check it out. See what's going on. When I worked at a 9-to-5 job before I was a stay-at-home parent, oh, you need me to stay late? Boss comes in, needs me to stay late to get a job done and possibly delay the plans I had with my wife that evening? And I would be like, oh, shit, I guess I can knock this out real fast. And that actually came one time, and it blew up big with this old boss I had because nobody told me that this truck needed to be done and out that evening or that end of day. So I figured it was going to stay. No one told me, and then all of a sudden they come, and we blow up, and I was supposed to go to a movie with my wife that night, and I stayed late at work an hour over, hour and a half, getting this job done, and it was... I had a big blow up with the boss, with my, the company's owner, and it didn't go well. But I said, what did I do? I still stayed late. I still missed out on plans with my wife. We did make our movie, but we didn't make dinner. But I think I have a problem saying no. I think I do. I do like helping people, though, and that does make me feel good. Maybe that's something to do with my own self-worth, that... If I can provide something for you or show you that I can do things for you, then I'm subconsciously telling myself that I'm a good person. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't know how to analyze 
interpersonal feelings, but maybe there's something there. But I would rather help someone than be helped. That is something that I hate asking for. I hate asking for help. I do things and help people because I enjoy it and I enjoy seeing them happy. And golly, I think I am a people pleaser. Uh, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I always hear people making fun of people pleasers, so I don't know. But if I have to move a couch or a refrigerator, hell no, I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm just going to figure that shit out on my own. I mean, that's, that's how my mind works. But anyways, this article says it's important to recognize when our life needs to take priority over helping other people out. It's okay to say no. It's empowering to say no. And it can give you this empowering feeling when you say it. When you say, you know what, I'm going to take care of me instead of taking care of you. Because I don't really have the time to wash your car. Or I don't have the time to, I don't know, do whatever. I've got a full plate and I will help you or I will take care of that at another time. And that's okay to say that. And you can help people at another time too when it suits you. Don't sacrifice yourself or your own schedule, your own needs for other people. All right, next one is practice assertive skills on your own. Practice what you want to say. Play different scenarios out in your head. If you want to talk to your boss about a raise or vacation, time you're taking off, or talk to your spouse about doing more work around the house, or talk to a friend about some type of issue, play those scenarios out in your head. Talk to yourself in the mirror, maybe. That's one way you could help. Say it out loud. Let yourself hear how you sound when you're trying to be assertive and say, look, this is what I need or this is what I don't need. Also practice positive self-talk. I've actually been trying to do this with my kids, kind of do morning affirmations. Brush your teeth, look in the mirror. My name is Olivia and I can do anything. My name is Justin and I'm going to conquer the day. Whatever. Practice that positive self-talk. I think that's a really good idea and it really changes your mindset and helps you focus on what you need to focus on. They say change a negative internal narrative to ones that are positive by practicing those positive statements. They say that in here. They also say use I statements. By saying I, it lets the other person know what you're thinking or feeling without sounding accusatory. It's also a confident approach. And when you begin a conversation with you, It presumes that you know what the other side is feeling and it comes across as more aggressive. Makes sense. All right, number four, don't forget body language. This is kind of a big one. I've talked about body language before with the kids and it's something that you can also practice. Head up, chest up, as my dance instructor would say. Stand tall, put your chest up, good posture. Words are only part of the communication process. Body language, tone of voice, facial expression, all those things contribute to our assertiveness. My facial expressions have gotten me in trouble. My body language as well. When I've talked to my kids, it's painted a much different picture than the words that are coming out of my mouth. And it's kind of gotten me in a bad spot before. Oh yeah, sure, sweetie, that's okay. Blah, 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 do this or do that. When really my face is saying, what in the hell are you doing? And they see that. I can see their expressions see my expression and it's almost like they don't believe the words because my face is like oh what are you doing and my words are not saying that so so remember keep a neutral facial expression stand up tall hold your head up high also make good eye contact those are all very important even with walking or how you carry yourself i think this is like a really important one too 
Don't just shuffle along, back kind of all hunched over, kind of arms crossed like you're in this defensive position. Walk with a purpose, head up high, chest up high, like I said. That can do a lot right there with how people perceive you and look at you. It says a lot about your confidence. Even if you don't feel confident, you got to fake it till you make it. You got to act it. You got to act like you know what in the hell you're doing or you know what in the hell you're talking about. And that's part of the battle. Just almost pretend and convince yourself that you are and own it. Sounds really motivational, I know. So a key ingredient in assertiveness is the ability to say what we need while also recognizing the wishes and points of others. They say assertive people are effective because they possess empathy and respect for others' opinions when they're negotiating or trying to work something out. Aggressive people just demand, demand, demand. They don't care about other people's needs or wants. They just care about their own. And passive people, well, passive people get walked all over, right? All right, one last thing I'm going to talk about, and that's keep it positive. Difficult conversations suck. Not getting what you want or feeling like you're getting the raw end of the deal or whatever leads up to more stress and complicated relationships. And one way to deal with these situations is by being assertive, but doing so with a positive attitude. When that avenue is taken, the other person will often let down their guard a little bit and respond in a positive manner. We want to be direct without being rude, okay? All right, so there's just a few tips there. The article has 10 in it. I think I read through four or five, so I'll link it in the description so you can check it out on your own. So what are the takeaways today on how to be assertive? Well, express your need clearly without guilt. Stand up for your beliefs even when others disagree. Be confident and maintain a positive attitude. And keep an open mind and practice active listening and tell yourself it's okay to say no and practice saying it and don't lack clarity don't sound unsure of yourself don't concede when things get a little difficult and don't be a yes man just to make people happy okay that's the takeaways i have from all this it's just good practice to learn how to be a little more assertive and like i said with your job or with your boss or your coworkers. You can even use it at home too, with your wife, with your kids, maybe even with your friends. And this is all kind of new for me. I honestly think I'm a pretty passive guy and I just go with the flow and I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I think I could be more assertive. I think being that way has done me a disservice in a way and maybe harmed me a little bit. I mean, I. Have a, apparently I have a hard time talking to contractors outside and conveying what in the hell I want. So this is uh, something new, something that I think I can benefit from and hopefully you can benefit from it as well. I'm going to link a couple of surveys or quizzes or something that talk about assertiveness. You can test how assertive you are. So if you want to take those, I'll link them in the description and then maybe hop over to my social media or hop over to podbean.com Send me a little message, send me a little note, and uh, tell me you took it, tell me what you thought about it. Even if you want to tell me what you thought about today's episode, that would be great. Just uh, hop over there, send me a little message. Also, if you like today's episode, or if you like any of my episodes, please feel free to share it. Please feel free to share it with a friend, share it on your social media, 
and just let people know that they can get it on all the big major streaming platforms. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and plus a bunch others. So I would really appreciate that if you would uh, spread the word, let people know. Anyways, that's all I have for today's episode of Stay Home Dads Podcast. Thanks for listening again, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you.